Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for November 9th of 2014. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. And this week we will be discussing the uh, controversial Marc-Andre Fleury contract, um, some disappointing starts to some NHL teams, and if we have enough time, maybe I'll talk about um, my personal experience uh, checking out Connor McDavid this past Saturday and uh, my thoughts on how he played and where I think he's going. So um, we'll start with the flurry contract, which um, kind of happened with, in the middle of the day out of nowhere. Um, where do you want to start with it? Is I was going to start by asking you what you thought about it. What Everyone who listens to this knows he's my favorite player, but why do it now? Why do it for four years, and why do it for a cap hit that's so high? I don't. I really, if you look at it, Pittsburgh actually had a hell of a lot of leverage in regards to signing this deal. They could have pushed the numbers a lot harder and and got a lot better cap hit than what they've got. Um, I just, I look as a fan. I'm really glad that he's. I'm, I'm glad that I don't have to go and watch two teams now to enjoy my hockey. I can still just watch the Penguins and watch him play but in the bigger picture of things trying to put a team together to win a stanley cup it's just a little baffling and it's been one of the most divisive uh re-signings of a contract i've seen in a while in regards to value for contract there's a lot of people that don't think he's worth it then there's a lot of people on the other side of the coin that think he's exactly worth what he's worth for his numbers and I just I don't know what to think I'm falling on the side of I'm glad it's done and it's out of the way and we can just move forward and watch him play now but uh, you're not going to know if they've got value for money until he's got to the end of the fourth year it's simple as that he's not as bad as the detractors will make it sound and he's certainly not as good as the people that support him he's an average goalie um, he'll give you average results um, and then, well, the playoffs. Okay, so the playoff stuff is what really. I mean, if he's if he's an average goalie, is five point seven five average? It's average compared to what other teams are paying, but not. But that's irrelevant. You don't have to pay what other teams are paying. You you have to worry about what you can pay somebody to get the same results. My whole argument on goaltenders in general is that league average. There, there is a tier of goaltenders that's extremely small up at the top. There's a tier of goaltenders extremely small at the bottom. And there's a whole bunch chunked in the middle. And there's really not a, a large discernible difference between most of them. So you certainly don't have to pay $5.5 million to uh, get that, get those results. Yep. No, no, I, you won't hear me argue that it's just it's one of those things where you sit there and go okay so technically he's getting paid average per year on the cap here he's going to give you average numbers uh, i gather all those, that that's a that's a popular argument for no, his contract i'm trying that's the thing i'm trying to work through this as well i'm trying to work out what side of the coin I, I land on with this because I think I said it in either the last podcast or the, the one before, I didn't think he would be on the roster 
after the trade deadline. I thought that they would trade him away because they'd let Thomas Grice play enough games that they go, you know what, we get the exact same output out of a smaller cap hit. Let's trade his ass and we'll get something else. Um, that's gone now. They're not certainly not going to do that. So I don't know what to think about this. I mean, he's had a great start to the year, but he's done this before. And then by the time he's got to the end of the year, his numbers are average. So where do you where do you go? What are your expectations if you're a Penguins fan? You just hope that know. he doesn't melt down, I guess. Um, you don't need him to play lights out. You just can't have him tank single-handedly tank a team like he's done in the playoffs in recent yeah, memory. Did, he didn't do it last he, year. No, and, and, and that's the thing. He's got a new goalie coach last year, and he didn't melt down last year. Um, in, in fact, he was far from the reason that they, they lost. Um, so he certainly does not um, own a majority of the blame like he did in um, previous, previous years. Oh. But the problem there is the standard that people have set forth for him is skewed. Like that's always your argument in this particular like, conversation. Oh wow! Is it he, what a comeback as... year for Mark Andre Fleury. Yeah, he came all the way back to league average for his save percentage in the playoffs. Like whoop de do. He came from the basement floor to the ground level. Because I look at the, the games that he's played so far this year, and the only one that I'd say I was disappointed in what he produced is the Flyers game. Mm-hmm. That, that, that would be it in regards to um, what he actually gave. Even the, even the New Jersey game where he gave up three, um, I don't think he played particularly poorly in that game either. Um, but oh, that, that fine. Yeah, and so I suppose if he keeps his output the way it is over the course of the next 82 games, then I suppose you can't really complain with what with what he's supplying, but I suppose it's the same with the entire team. Nothing oh. really matters until they get to game one. I'm not complaining about what he's providing. Um, he's, he's playing fine this year. Um, three shutouts, that's great. I don't know if I count the Buffalo one too much. I'm surprised he actually counted it. <laughs> Buffalo has shut out five of the past eight games when that happened, so he's yeah. not the only one laying the clamp down on Buffalo's offense. But it, it's not that he's playing bad. He's certainly not, as we've just stated. It's just that I I think the other guy's doing just fine, too. Grice took the loss against Detroit, but it took special plays from Zetterberg and Datsuk to score on him late. It's not like he was playing poorly before that Minnesota game. He played really well um, and all for about a million bucks. It's all the same to me. Yeah, and that's and that's the that's what you've sold me, I suppose, on this argument in regards to Marc-Andre Fleury versus someone who gives you league average numbers as well. It is that it's 4.75 next year. That 4.75 that you you wouldn't be spending on Mark Andre Fleury could be spent elsewhere on the roster, and that's the that's the argument. And I've read a few places somewhere that that cap may not go up, so every cent is going to be um, valuable next year. I mean, Pittsburgh are lucky in that they've got some big contracts coming off the books, and they've got some young guys coming in that are going to fill those roster spots. But if you could save four million on your goaltender position because 
Thomas Grice is going to give you the same output as Marc-Andre Fleury, why wouldn't you go for that option? I get that everyone in that locker room absolutely loves him. We're not arguing any of that. It's trying to find value for your position. Mm-hmm. And they love Colby Armstrong too, but they, they moved down and did just fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. You don't want to see a friend move on, but it's professional hockey. They'll move on. They'll deal. But Yeah, um, exactly. You know, people, they're, they're afraid of the unknown. Like, nobody wants to hand Thomas Grice a starting job because he's a quote-unquote backup. But really, his numbers to this point in the NHL are way above average. And yes, it's a smaller sample size, but... You know, what makes a starting goaltender? Opportunity is pretty much it. Where do all these guys come from that aren't drafted high? Um, Cam Ward was a nobody when he won it all. Um, Chris Osgood's certainly not a terrific high-end goaltender for the Red Wings. He gave them all they needed all those years at the league average. Um, Niami, Crawford, two other team for the way you think it should be set up, the way Detroit did it with Osgood. They put all their eggs in every other basket but their goaltender and just made sure they got league average. Um, One of the more interesting presentations from the uh, War on Ice Pittsburgh Analytics Conference this past weekend, Jen Luke Costello of Puck Daddy had a very nice presentation about shot suppression and the impact it had towards being playoff teams. And she also, on her bubble chart, had the um, goaltender's results based um, percentage-wise relative to the league average. All the best teams were were teams that suppress shots because of the um, quality of players on the ice. And their goaltending wasn't top-notch. It was the shot suppression aspect of the team that was making them successful. So, once again, invest in the team in front. You don't need something out of this world special um, to get you by the goaltending position. Um, It helps. Don't get me wrong. A hot goalie can solve a lot of issues. Um, Lundqvist has proven that in the past. Now, the Rangers were good last year. They were were a good possession team. But in years past, Lundqvist was certainly a guy that could carry a team further than they deserved to be. but I just thought I, that's the way I look at it. Suppress the shots, invest in the team in front, and just have a guy that won't sink the team in back. Um, so until and, and you've said this before, it's a copycat league. Until a team is specifically set up exactly the way you've just ex- explained and wins it, I, I don't think you're going to see much of a change. It's just the the reality of the situation. Teams have done it. Chicago did it twice, and they walked away from that. They walked away from that process. Um, the Kings did it once, with and they've won twice with the same guy. But Quick was making one point eight million the first time. Played terrific, an all time great playoff run. But this past year he was below average, making five point eight mil. Um, they won in spite of his play. And I feel you, strongly you, about you, that. You do realize sitting here and saying that means that you can just skin a cat different ways. That's the, the beauty of it. Whilst the numbers might pan out 
signing one thing. Well, it will guys. work for the. It works for LA now because they they've got guys making less than what they will be. I'm t- like, why it matters for the Penguins more than other teams is because they've had to pay their superstars and a lot of their surrounding cast to where the Blackhawks are going to find out the hard way next year when Taves and Kane get their raises and guys like Brandon Sat Sad show up, <laughs> you know, looking for more money than they get on their entry-level contracts. Um, plus, Chicago did a few of those cheap deals with Hosa and Keith. Um, but for the Penguins, they don't have any of those cheap deals. Crosby's sort of, but even that's $8.7 million. Um, they need the space more than other teams. Uh, I, know, I understand that the cap situation for, for Pittsburgh is tight. I do get that, but there's, there's nothing to say that um, the way they've structured it up and they if they go cheap on the back end and fill out their depth up front by having a cheap back end that they can do it it's just it's so far it hasn't worked in regards to the way they've done it because they've had no depth up front they've managed to fill it out a little bit better but like you said guys like Toffoli and Pearson and Pearson that's the one yeah but Kopitar is going to want money Dustin Brown's contract's not going to be very good. Neither is Mike Richards moving forward. Um, they did get a very good contract on Jake Muzzin. I'll give that. Okay, we're back. Technical difficulties Sorry. over. <laughs> um, all, all I was trying to say before I, I disappeared was it, the fear of the unknown is is what is the argument everyone's made in regards to sticking with Fleury. That's been all the experts that you'll hear on Sportsnet and and all the other podcasts that, that I listen to and radio shows that I listen to is, well, who else are you going to go with? Who else is out there for you? Who do you go for? Well, they've got a backup that has proven that his numbers are pretty similar to Fleury's. How about you wait half a year, give him some games and work out whether he's capable of doing it? That's the That's the baffling thing in regards to why sign him now. Um, the unknown is a scary thing for some reason to executives for the goaltending position. But as I said before, the unknown is not as risky as it's made people make it out to be. No, there's there's so many goalies that are within that nine thirteen to nine seventeen average range. And if you're a really good team, it it really doesn't matter. And and these average guys, guess what, are capable of hot streaks. And you just need to get hot at the road. Hey, look, I, I'm okay with this if Fleury goes through and sticks with his 9.30 the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Um, but you know this would mean? be the first year since 07-08 that he's shown yeah. that he can do that. Correct. But it's also the first time he's played without Bilesma as his coach. I don't, so buy, I, don't, I don't buy Bilesma as a reason for his... Um... No, I know, but that's one of the arguments that people try to lay down is that he's been a lot better since... Bilesman's system's not been in front of him. And Lyle Kolokosis of Pennsburg has done so much good uh, work yes, with um, no. documenting um, Bilesman's defensive systems and, and what he's done with shot suppression and um, where the shots are coming from in Bilesman's system. Um, it was debunked. I, I don't buy that at all. Yep. Um, so that's just... Right, based on, based on what I've read and the information that some people that I respect their work have done, um, I, 
I'm of the conclusion that that's a false narrative. I've I've read the same stuff you have, and I I agree with you in in that context. I'd be interested to know how many um, deflected shots Fleury lets in. Probably um, no more or less than any other goalie, which <laughs> brings me back to my yeah, overall exactly point. Right. If it, if yeah. it can't be stopped anyways, why pay a guy yeah. more? Yep, and that makes perfect sense. Um, is there anything else you want to cover off on the contract? I can't believe I'm calling it a dark contract. Um, <laughs> well, it's done. It's over with. I, I've certainly made my my case over the last year on why I didn't think it was a good idea, but um, the contract is is official and they're going with him. So I'm I'm not probably going to to beat this horse anymore. Um, most of my analysis was done as a preventative measure. Um, I will continue to analyze him as a goalie because I paid to cover the team. But um, as far as um, the contract and all that stuff, um, this is probably the end of the road for for yeah. me on that. But oh, I agree. Hey, look, all, all I know is that with what he's what he's produced so far, he's played. I think. Oh, he's played really games. well. He's played ten games this year, and he's only given us one stinker, which is good. And and if you can if you can get nine out of ten good ones from your goalie, then I'm I'm happy no matter how much you're paying him, whether you're paying him a stack or whether you're paying him. Um, well, I've been doing um a lot of work for a lot of research at least for um an article that I I want to write for uh, Hockey Prospectus about quality starts. Yeah, I did one on Mark Andre Fleury's playoffs. Obviously, they haven't been impressive lately. Uh, no. <laughs> um, but quality starts is a, a, a metric that Rob Volman came up with. Um, it's kind of like the quality starts uh, stat for pitchers in baseball, for those that know what that is. It's basically if a goalie has a 917 save percentage or better in a single game or if they let up two goals or less and have at least a save percentage of 885 or 885, um, that's considered a, a quality start. And if you get a quality start, I believe your team has about a 70% chance of winning or something close to that. Um, I, can see, I can see why you want those kind of stars. <laughs> so he's been giving the Penguins quality starts. Well, well, gee, they've won seven in a row. Um, Flurry's quality starts in 07-08 in the playoffs were off the charts. They weren't a very good team that year. They had high-end talent and a hot goaltender. Um, but as the years went on, his quality starts went in the toilet, and you can see why they, even though the Penguins had good possession for a number of those Bilesma years in the playoffs, they, they had early exits. So, so far, so good on Flurry. Um very small sample this year so far. Um, he's going to have ups and he's going to have downs. Average goalies, the thing to remember with them is that they don't always just give you a 913 to 917 save percentage every game. Sometimes it's 958 or a shutout, and sometimes it's in the 800s, and it goes up and down all year long. And sometimes they have some steady stretches, but it's, you know, it's an up and down roller coaster. That's, you know, kind of it's what it is. That's the nature of numbers with with humans, though. That's why you get an average. Mm-hmm. 
So we'll, uh, look, we'll see. Yeah, it's one of those things where I enjoy watching him play. Oh, he's um, fun to watch. I will. You've, I've always said that. Yeah, and I and I'm rooting for him for a couple of reasons. I'd like him to prove everyone wrong. That would include me, who said that his time in Pittsburgh should be done. So um, there's a lot of reasons for me to hope that he succeeds. So well, the thing with that is, I don't think he's going to prove me wrong. I still think there are other guys that can do it for cheaper. That's basically my only argument. I wasn't pointing the finger at you. Well, enough do, so. <laughs> I think I think you've made your argument pretty clear. You know what I mean? Like, you don't trash out on him. You, you trash out on the numbers that go against spending as much as the Penguins have on him and stuff like that. So, like you said, you've always enjoyed watching him play. As frustrating as he can be, he is a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, it, and this is a Penguin-centric conversation, but this applies to all 30 teams, in my opinion, so... Um, even though it's been a flurry-dominated conversation, I, I do feel this way about um, the goaltender position in general. So, yeah, there's only those couple at the top end that you're happy to pay that amount of money for. You've always said that. Yeah, Lundqvist for ask. Yeah. Maybe Renate. Schneider. We'll see. Um, moving on from. Um, something that's not really hockey related what about the teams that have flopped I have my poor old Dallas Stars that have flopped your, your division winning Dallas Stars if I uh, call back to the central podcast we did before the season yeah I know Jeez, I tell you what the the hole in their roster that you um, pointed out to me that I refused to listen to i.e. their back six is causing them some serious issues at the moment. Yeah, hasn't been great. Didn't um, didn't think it would quite go this low. Yeah. But they don't have a true number one. Who's their one? Goligoski? And, yeah, he's not a true number one, and that's not a uh, scrap on him. That's just the, a lack of quality in front of him. So that's the, the, the tough part there. They've got an old number one. Who? Concha. No, he hasn't played, I don't think. Oh, no, I could have sworn I saw him play. I think I saw him hit the post. Uh, I could have sworn he's back on the ice. He was hurt, though. Yes? Yeah, no, I, I do understand that. But the, even if he hasn't been on the ice, he's still not a number one. <laughs> okay, he's played the last three games. Yeah, well, that says it all, doesn't it? Well, he, he's he's a bottom-pairing guy now, but, boy, I, I would have to think he can still do power play. Otherwise, what's the point of having him? Well, yeah, that's why you'd have him, is his ability to be able to actually help run a power play. Um, well, he's, but I would, their D's not the only issue at hand here. I think they've had some... I, I, Hemsky's slow has a little bit of a slow start. Um, he's, oh, I guess so. I just looking this up. I thought it was a, a little bit better start than he's had. He's got one point this year. Yeah, in fourteen the, games. Jesus. Yeah, and Matuchkin's been injured as well. So I suppose they have had a couple of other problems. But that's oh the thing. As soon as, as soon as you lose a little bit up front because of the problems they've got in their back end, it gets exposed. I'm sorry. How is that even possible? He is gifted. One assistant, fourteen <laughs> Listen teams. <to> you. <laughs> Listen to you. I mean, um, he's good. 
Yeah, no, you're not hearing me argue that point at all. I fully appreciate the quality. I still that think you... that the Penguins would have been wise to sign him at at the current rate he's he's making. But man, it's not like he hasn't played with anybody. Ah. He's known to well, be Well, there streets. you go. There's there's a reason why the Dallas Stars have been disappointed. Uh, they're getting it from their, their top, top end guys and no one else from the looks at it. And so, the division they're in, you can't afford to no. have guys um, not pulling their share of the load there. And, and Hemsky I, clearly falls into that category of he, and that, need, he needs to be better. That is why I think that there's only going to be three teams from the Central that make the playoffs. Because they're going, to, they're going to beat each other up and they're not going to get enough points. I, I think what will happen is Calgary will filter their way out once Jonas Silla falls back down to earth a little bit. And I think ben, the same thing will happen to Vancouver when Miller balances out to, to his norms. And then you're going to end up with Anaheim, Anaheim, um, Los Angeles and San Jose that are going to walk their way through. And um, no, who's, who's, who's the uh, who's left in the fourth and fifth that's going to snake yep. all these? Um, snake all the good teams in the Central. Edmonton's yeah, not going to be one of them. Who's not? Edmonton won't be one of them. No, although they have been much better, which is nice to see. It's well, the uh, well, we had talked about that. The underlying numbers were not terrible for the Oilers. Their goaltending was playing at a real terrible level, but since has turned it around a little bit. I still don't think they're a playoff team because... No, no, but it's just, it's nice to see, one, for the fans, and, and two, also for some of those players on that roster, some actual improvement and, and to show that they are moving in the right direction. I mean, they're still missing major pieces. On, Taylor Hoffman hurts, stinks for them. And they're still winning without him, so it's great, in, in a sense. It's yeah, good Nugent, to see Nugent Hopkins tonight played terrific. Oh, I didn't get to see that. Well, that's good. No, I didn't either. Just the feedback from the, um, some good Twitter folk. Um, they were talking about it. And that was the general that, feel I took from it. So that, that leads me to the Rangers, the team that they beat. I don't know what to make of this team. Um, I know that Boyle being injured certainly doesn't help them in regards to their transition game, but Rick Nash is having an awesome year. And they can't seem to win games they should be winning. Um, and the Metropolitan's division that, you know, you could do badly and still make it into the top three because I, I think it's going to be from two to eight, I think it's going to be very close in regards to who gets in and who doesn't. Well, the Rangers are going to have their hands full making the playoffs this year. I've always thought that. Um, they lost some of the pieces that, that made them. We're- yeah, pretty decent. Uh, Rick Nash is playing terrific. Um, it just goes to show you the the PDO, the shooting percentage stuff. When he couldn't get a break in the playoffs, but he was playing well possession wise. Um, and now this year, it's the complete opposite. He is yeah. playing well possession wise, but everything's going in for him. And it just goes to show how random sometimes it can be. You can play well, get super results, or in the Stanley Cup playoffs last year when everybody was beating him up, the pucks just weren't going in. The process was right for him. 
the um, end results weren't. And you could make that same argument about Crosby's playoffs last year. The process was going great. It's just sometimes the end results don't, they don't always fall the way they should. Well, it cost a few people their job. (laughs) For the Penguins, yes. Glenn Sather's still kicking, though, in New York. He'll keep kicking until he wants to walk, I think, that man. But, um, yeah, Rangers, um, the, the Metropolitan, I'm still bullish on the Islanders, even though um, they've kind of fallen off just a tad. They just, they just don't have enough depth to be good all the time to break clear, I think. I just think they're going to be streaky all, no, all season. No, never mind. They're 9-5. They're, they're in second place. No, no, that, that's that's what I mean. I don't I don't think they're going to go through at a, at a at above sixty and an above sixty five clip for the year. That's all percentage wise, and they're just they're going to hit some ruts. You know, I like Halleck as a goalie, but he can be streaky himself. And I know they've got Johnson as a backup who can who can slot in, but you know they're a little thin on the back end, and it only takes a, a couple of losses to snowball and not nearly some, as thin as they were. No, 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 no. I fully agree. And the guys that have come in, like Letty and um, and Boychuk, are winners. So that whole lose a couple and it all starts to unravel and you lose six or seven, it shouldn't happen to the Islanders anymore. They shouldn't lose, you know, those six or seven on the trot. And that's what will get them into the playoffs because they won't lose six or seven in a row. But I, I, I can't see them winning seven in a row either. I can see them going, you know, I can see them going six and four through a cycle of 10. Well, um, but back to your Rangers point, uh, Washington Capitals are playing really well. Uh, They're the fifth best score adjusted Fenwick team in the NHL right now. And they've been getting atrocious goaltending from Holtby, who historically speaking is average to above average as far as even strength save percentage is concerned. So that's going to start to turn around in my opinion, and they're going to start to win more games. And Matthew Collar of Hockey Prospectus had an interesting article about Alex Ovechkin's usage this year, and he's actually playing tougher competition, and unlike the previous two years, his possession looks really good. So there's a lot of good signs for Washington right now. Um, I was a little... What's great great about those possession numbers for Ovechkin is that he went through a patch where he had his first five-game pointless streak, yet his numbers were still good. So he's doing the right things. Like you said, the process is there. Yeah, and, I mean, give me a break. If he's getting good possession and he finds his way into the offensive zone, it's only a matter of time before the floodgates open with that yes. shot. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, the Rangers, that uh, they're going to have to get it going. Getting Derek Stepan back is going to really help them out. But um, there's another team in the Metropolitan that's in in a lot more trouble than the Rangers. Um, Not counting Carolina because I don't think they're, you know, they're kind of grouped with Buffalo. The the Blue Jackets are decimated by injury. Um, But here's the thing. No other team gives a damn. (laughs) If they're decimated by injury, and right now they sit last place 
in the Metropolitan Division with a 4-9-1 record with nine points. And they've played one more game than the Hurricanes, and they're two points behind them. Yeesh. Yeah. And the only team in the East that's got a worse goal differential than them is Buffalo. So um, they're not keeping the puck out of their net. Yeah, minus 15 is terrible. <laughs> so it's Buffalo's minus 34. I like that they're second worst and Buffalo's more yeah. than doubling them up. <laughs> yeah. uh, Tim Murray's doing a great job this year. But back to, <laughs> but back to the Blue Jackets. I love whenever you bring that up. Um, it doesn't help that Bobrovsky's injured, or at least has been, um, but they've, they're missing some key components. And, you know, we both thought, I think, Columbus were, were bubble. For the playoffs? No, I, I thought they were going to be really good. I um, also didn't predict, like, nine injuries. No, and, and that's your, your biggest problem. The injuries, and down they go. And like you said, nobody else gives a toss. The injuries are injuries, and you've just got to deal with them. And it just shows you that the, the depth isn't quite there for Columbus. Ryan Johansson's been awesome for them. He has, which is great considering that he didn't have a, a preseason and sometimes that can be detrimental. Yeah, uh, Malkin didn't have he, one either. No, no, I didn't say it happened to everyone. Well, I'm uh, just saying some of the, yeah. the people overrate the preseason for the talented players. Um, but yes, he's been fantastic. Imagine where they'd be if he was having a, a slow start. Probably similar. <laughs> Actually, you're right. It probably couldn't be much worse. <laughs> I mean, they're worse than Carolina right now. So, um, But Dubinsky hasn't played yet. Boone Jenner just got back. Nate Horton may be cooked with the back injury, not for now, but forever, yes, from what yeah, I read. Um, yeah, could be toast. Wisniewski, did he get hurt too? Can't think of that. Ryan Murray's been dinged up. Um it's almost like the injury bugs hit. Felino almost, almost that was yeah, a scary almost, situation. Yeah. Almost uh, every important player has been dinged up. It's it's not like it's been fringe guys that you can just replace in and out with AHL players. They've been important cogs to their team that have been injured. They can't even catch a break. Jack Johnson does a headshot and he only gets suspended three games. And if, oh, if it just... went by our system, it would have helped the Blue Jackets more because he would have been suspended for more games. You're, you're, that's terrible. That is funny. <laughs> but, yeah, that's probably not how they're going to look at it. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I have um, a long-running history with... Uh, yes, certainly do. My He's uh, not high on your let's let's pick him up list, i tell you that. No. Nope. Um, yeah. Look, there, I suppose another team that's that's been... Paul, although not unexpected, has been Colorado. They've regressed to where every everyone that's, you know, advanced stats, quote unquote, thought they'd be. Yeah, um, it's not an aha, I told you so moment or anything like that. It's just you try to accurately predict things using the numbers um, to the best of your ability, and I think a lot of people did predict this and you know they're where they are they their back end is not very skilled it doesn't get the puck up like the people that fall in love with the avalanche fall in love with their high-end uh, forward talents that's fair enough and and is they should 
they're they're great players, but they can never get the puck because the the guys on the back end aren't skilled enough to get it to them. Uh, you know, in time and space, uh, while they're in stride, a lot of it's probably digging it off the wall, slowing them down. I I can almost see Matt Duchesne you know, picking the puck up off a rim around as opposed to on the tape while he's in full speed or, yeah, or Nathan McKinnon. Name your stud abs forward. It's... Well, Ryan O'Reilly, another one stuck on the wall. Um, it's one of those things where, um, so how do they, how does um, de facto GM Sherman Go about fixing this. Where uh, does he go? That's a great question. Because he's going to have to. I don't know if it's fixable this year because he made a few moves in the offseason. Well, it's twofold. He didn't make some moves um, improving the defense core. Um, you know, I always thought that they were going to make a strong effort and be the ones that overpaid Matt Niskanen. But apparently not. It would have made sense I, I, with everything you've just explained in regards to... Matt Niskanen is still... He did a lot of really good things for the Penguins, and he's doing some good things for the Capitals right now. So, yeah. um, But they had defense core not good enough. And then he made some decisions with the forwards. Getting rid of P.A. Parentown, bringing in... Danny Briere is a god-awful move. Parentel was one of their best possession players. He has offensive ability. And you bring in the aging Danny Briere, who's not going to give you good possession, who I believe was healthy scratch the other night. So, you know, you can talk clutch all you want with Danny Briere. <laughs> um, I'm not... <sighs> Here's the thing, my, my opinion on clutch. I was waiting for you to mention that because every time Bria comes up, it's the first thing you, you say. Well, he's classed as clutch. No, but, but he's, he he scores a ton of big goals. But the reason he's he used to score all these big goals is because he puts himself in such more. It's a probability thing. The, the more times good players put themselves in situations to succeed, the more times they'll succeed. Well, they don't differentiate on what time of the game they do that in. They just put themselves in good situations. So it's more likely that they score big goals at the end of the game because they're putting yeah. themselves in situations that are advantageous to do that at the end of the game. So I'm not sold on – I think clutch is a, a lot a bit overrated. It's just really good players putting themselves in positive situations more frequently than other players. Well, if you get there and you run with that theory, he shouldn't be out on the ice in clutch situations anyway. But he will be because of that preconceived notion. If if you do buy into that clutch thing, that is what is going to fuel his ability to, to get in the lineup. If you get what I'm saying. Oh, no, Not everybody's going to view it like me. A lot of people I, listening right now are going to disagree with what I'm saying and say that... Um, you know, there's a special thing inside of somebody that makes them um, more clutch than other people. And I'm sure there there is a little bit to that where certain players deal with nerves a little bit better than others. But I, I think that's um, less of a factor than just a great, the great and good players 
you know, giving themselves more chances at doing things better in the offensive zone. So um, I don't think Briere is going to be doing much of that. No, but you've on top of the Briere thing, you've also got the Iginla addition as well, yeah, and that's just it's that's bad. just an anchor on the bad on the speed of everyone else. He he's not a good fit for that team. I don't think they're no. they want to play very fast the, the the forwards that he should be playing with. Whereas in Boston, it was kind of a little bit different. Boston's not known as a speed team per se. Hey, look! It just it sucked that the cap did what it did. Well, does it to everybody? He fit perfectly in that in in that roster, um, but you know, if he wants to get paid what he thinks he's worth, he had to walk, so he did. It's just how it works. Ginla's gain, the Avs loss. Yeah, it's a good way to put it, actually. So. I'm not surprised by their lack of success. Um, I think the, I think they are. Obviously, they they thought higher of themselves than I think what reality was. And it'll be interesting to see. Will they make a panic move as a buyer to try and salvage the season, or will they come upon an aha moment of boy, maybe maybe we kind of missed our mark a little bit with our self-evaluation and and they'll try and think a little bit more to the future it'll be interesting to see what they do well it'll it'll probably show whether they uh for one of a better way to put it whether they're into the advanced stats and utilizing those or whether they're not well they're not so well, we'll see what happens then we'll see what direction they take it in they might start paying attention if they don't, it'll be pretty easy to see. Actually, one thing one thing uh, about the Avs was the McKinnon hit on Shen. I didn't see it. I heard of it. I didn't see it. Yeah. It, the thing that was frustrating about it, he didn't have to touch Shen when he, he touched him. But Shen lost an edge, and that made it look like he pushed him. He literally just put his hands out to, to make contact so we could wrap him up. And Shen lost an edge and off he went. So I kind of get why Roy went nuts. You know, it made sense that he went spastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I totally understand why the officials made the call they did. It looked terrible. And at speed, when you've only got one chance to look at it, Looked like it pushed, he pushed him into the boards. Um, it's just a shame that Shen's out injured. Um, and I have a feeling that... Have they made a decision on that hit yet? Um, I think I would have heard about it. Yeah. Um, if Something tells me that because he's hurt, he's probably going to miss a game or two. Purely because they suspend on the injury. Yeah, we which, love when they do that. Which just seems ridiculous. I, of some of the things that they've suspended for, this is the least aggressive um, of all the things that have happened. However, it was extremely dangerous if you do get to have a look at it. Um, lucky that there wasn't something more serious apart from the. I don't think anything's come of it yet. It says he may face a sp- suspension. So. Yeah. 
if you get to have a look at it, you can see that whilst Shen was hurt, it's pretty lucky for everyone involved that it wasn't something more serious because of how fast he flew into the boards when he got knocked off his skates. So, um, yeah, I I wouldn't I wouldn't even put it through our suspension system because I didn't think the contact made is what caused Shen to end up in the boards. And you can definitely see an argument for someone to say, well, that's exactly why he did, and I could see why someone would want to put it through the system. Mm-hmm. So that's where that's where you get the opinion side of the hit, and then you just throw it through the system, and then you get a number. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it through, personally. Agreed. Um. Want to have a yip yap about some of the rookies, or would you rather have a chat about next year's probable number one draft pick? Yeah, I suppose I'll say a few things about Mr. McDavid. Um, right, have it. It may be possible he's he's being underhyped, <laughs> which is. A crazy thought because it's all you hear about <laughs> you hear about teams tanking for him and um, it reminds me of when LeBron James came out of Oak Hill Academy and the basketball world was abuzz with his potential and then he plays for the Cavaliers and everybody's like holy crap he's he's even better um, he it really is not fair for these poor kids playing against him in the OHL. That I will say for sure. His his skating stride is explosive. He gets his first three strides. He is gone. Um, he does a great job of f- finding his areas on the breakouts. While his like he reads his team how they're breaking the puck out and he, and he's kind of floating and, and cruising around like a shark waiting to just pounce on his opportunity. And his line mates do a good job of chipping things into open space for him. And the other defensemen on, on, on the other team, at least in the game I saw for Saginaw, they know he's coming with full speed. So they back, they, their backward skating isn't fast enough to match his speed, so they're backing all the way in. It opens up a cutback move, and let me tell you, his cutback move is as precise as it is sharp or strong, and he, they're just in a no-win situation with him. And when you combine his hockey IQ with his puck skills and his skating, it's it's a pretty special thing. I'm, I'm glad that I... Um, took that opportunity to, to catch that on the way back from Pittsburgh. And um, he's going to be pretty special. Um, it's not a matter of if he'll be a superstar. It'll, matter, it'll be a matter of if he is the superstar of the league uh, eventually, in my opinion. So. so we've discussed it before. You've thought it was a two-horse race, maybe. Have you changed your opinion and you think that McDavid's um, ahead of Eichel after seeing McDavid live? Oh, I, I never thought it was a two-horse race. Always McDavid. I, I think that Eichel is a great consolation prize 
Oh yeah, okay. So I, I think it's... I think whoever's trying to sell you the fact that Eichel could be taken number one overall is just um, kind of bored. <laughs> there's there's no freaking way <laughs> simple as that <laughs> i think it really is i mean go watch this kid if you're even in the close in an area where you can um my ticket was i think 20 bucks or so somewhere around there eerie there's no bad seat and it's it's fun to watch him play against people that can't keep up with him because there's more likely opportunity that you'll see him do something special and <laughs> in this particular game he had four points before the second period was over Jesus, okay so um he didn't have any in the third but they kind of dialed it back a little bit it was apparently their third game in three nights so you know they did win eight to one so they kind of dialed back um mcdavid's ice time a little bit there. So the the one thing I am interested to see him when he when he starts to play <clears throat> against competition that is better. He he cheats, and I I know that that word has a negative connotation. Uh, he cheats on the offensive side of the puck a lot, but it's because he knows he has those three explosive strides to where he can make up for it. Yep. Plenty of times where he cheated on the offensive side of the puck in that game that I watched, where he got he closed the gap on the person right away and and Datsukian stick lift and and just took the puck and went the other way. So it, um, as far as risk reward was concerned, with him cheating on the offensive side of the puck, it was totally proper because there really wasn't much risk and there was high reward to it. Next year when he's in the NHL, he's going to have to start to be on that defensive side of the puck more often. So it'll be more – it'll be interesting to see. I, I, I think he has that capability of playing great defense. Um, he was so strong. He was strong on the puck. He As skillful as he is with his um, great saucer passes and just putting the puck – he did this like three foot saucer pass where he just put it about a half a foot off the ice, but he had to land it in this little pocket between everybody's sticks that were in front of the net. And he put it up and down, laid it flat just for that person to get the shot off. It was a, it was a beautiful little play. He can do all that stuff. So, and he's equally as talented as, as, doing takeaways on the defensive side as well. So it'll be fun. Well, sounds like you had fun. <laughs> yeah, he was, uh, you know, I, I went to that game for him and him only. I, I, I can't pretend to say I cared about the game itself. I, I wanted to see him. So I was watching literally him the entire shifts he was out there. How, how did he find his time and space? How did he work his way through the neutral zone? Um, and then, of course, the obvious. What what could he do with the puck? <laughs> and it was all great. Um, although I will say Dylan Strom um, was the second-line center 
He yep. was playing with McDavid earlier in the year. But I think um, moving Strom off of McDavid's line helps the Otters and Strom because now people don't think that he used McDavid as a crutch. He was a crafty not- little player in his own right. Um, yeah. he, he, he reminded me of a, a, a younger Nicholas Backstrom, the way he played. So that's that's a pretty good compliment, at least as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So that no, was good. And if you can get to see him while he's playing junior hockey, you're almost guaranteed to be entertained because he's that much better than everybody. He will do some special things every single time he plays. So go see him. Go see him now. He'll do great things well, in the NHL too, but you know. Same while he's cheap. Yeah, but you're guaranteed to see something really good now because he's <laughs> that much better. So, no, that was good. Um, I think that's it from me. I don't think I've got anything else to to add. Have you got anything else? Uh, just something quick. I just want to say um, thank you to Andrew Thomas and. Sam Ventura of War on Ice for putting on the uh, Pittsburgh Analytics Conference. It was terrific. Um, uh, Everybody that presented was awesome. Uh, Hopefully it becomes an annual thing. It was was just great to, for people that are interested in analytics, a lot of great people there, a lot of great questions, and if you're interested in that kind of stuff, it was a great environment to, to be involved with them. So, thank you to the to war on ice for, for putting that on. And, um, I hope, uh, they do it again. So other than that, no, we're good. Excellent. All right. Thanks guys. Yep. See you next time.